Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner, partner of Top Tier Columbia, Maryland, Jason Schreiber. Thanks for being on with us. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. Excited to have you on and, and talk about what you got going on down there. Let's jump into it with just an overview. Top Tier is a, a little bit of a monster, so... How do you how do you describe it to people that don't know what it is? So we're a wellness facility with big open space, 26,000 square foot. Uh, the largest portion of that is a big open gym space. And with uh, and surrounding that gym space are other tenants of ours that support what our customers experience within the gym. Things like yoga, uh, massage. Um, small group training, there's um, sauna, cold exposure, things of that nature, stuff to help the lifestyle of the customers that are actually working hard in the gym space. And then in that gym space is essentially, um, there's minimal walls. And what we have tried to do is create a space where a lot of different subcultures and fitness, things like CrossFitters, um, kettlebells, athletes, weightlifters, strongman, powerlifting, uh, field athletes, we bring them into their um, own sort of services, group, you know, coach services, but they're around other cultures also in that space, seeing, talking to, hearing, learning from these other cultures. Um, and our, our, our desire, at least, is to create a very inclusive, welcoming environment so that all these different cultures can begin to explore what each other has to offer and how they can all synergize to support all of us in our goals to feel uh, healthier and to move and perform better. Man, that you, you, there's, there's so much going on with that. Uh, one of the, the biggest things that I want to make sure doesn't get missed is Get a, a big, huge facility, 26,000 square feet. And a lot of times the conversation steers towards, I have my main gym and then I have some other spots that I rent out to because landlord revenue is cool. And I won't argue, landlord revenue is cool, but your personal mission or personal professional goal with this was really to make this collaborative versus competitive to open lines of communication into start blurring the lines of the competitive athlete, the hard charger, the, the, the interdisciplinary aspect of it. So how much of that for you, the mix is a product of that vision of execution versus just basic black and white business revenue streams model like that? Well, um, the format, like sort of the business plan um, is what I'm describing, you know, so like, uh, if we, if we take away any um, financial needs, and what is it just sort of from a values standpoint, a philosophy standpoint, do we want to create what we have and are continuing to evolve is what we are, we have always been trying to evolve. Um, and what afforded us the ability to do it a bit better was, um, I had a previous gym that, um, 
you know, the lease ended and we ended up basically transferring our ownership and our, our community over to this bigger space. And that bigger space gave us the ability to expand those services and actually bring find, you know, the tenants to support um, the other lifestyle stuff that we really wanted because the, the previous facility was essentially just a gym, a small gym where people exercise and leave. Um, now, I live in a, you know, the gym is, is in Columbia, Maryland. It's smack in the middle of Baltimore and DC in, you know, area. And so the cost of living is extremely high and um, the cost of running this facility is extremely high. So, you know, it's, it's a great and admirable. We have this vision, this idea, but to put it together the way we have, and in the space we have, we have a very expensive facility, right? And so there, we had to be realistic with the cost of operating this, this monster. Um, it just, it, it essentially, in our opinion, required us to, to have tenants and be landlords. Um, you know, I didn't, in, re in retrospect, I didn't quite grasp what that job, how, how much it would entail, um, you know, but, uh, but it, it's been a, a, a very interesting journey and a necessary one too, because I don't, I don't think that our vision of having this interdisciplinary inclusive space in a facility the size that we have, I don't know if it could work without that role being played, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's all it's all come together in this. And you kind of mentioned, um, I want to get a little bit more background. Having previous gym, um, this this wasn't just, you know, drawn up on the back of, of a napkin and it happened. There's been some process through it. So can you give us, you know, some industry background on you um, leading up to, you know, where we are now? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm 40, I'm 43. Um, I've been in the fitness industry my entire career, um, graduated from University of Maryland 2002. So everything I've done since graduation has been related to what I'm currently doing. About half of my career has been spent focusing on performance athletes. Um, it's basically the first half because I was a performance athlete. And so it was very much a big part of my life. Um, and then the second half um, bled more into sports medicine, chiropractic, rehab, um, holistic health. Um, and I, I think that wasn't an accident either. You know, I was, I had so many, you know, years, I mean, well over 15 years of competitive um, strength sport um, training and martial arts that I just, I was going, I was living a life where I was having to solve my own issues around all this performance stuff that I was focusing on. So it, I look back on it and it makes sense that my career would sort of evolve um, in accordance to my own struggles and, you know, um, and, and attempt to find solutions. So, uh, so I, before I was a business owner, right beforehand, I was in the chiropractic office. And so, you know, one of my, probably my biggest mentor was um, the, the owner of that chiropractic facility. His name is Dr. Stephen Horowitz. And him, myself, and essentially one other person ran the office for um, something close to 10 years. And frankly, at the time, I thought I was going to work with him until he retired. It's actually what did happen. Um, but I didn't 
he and I didn't expect him to retire when he did. Um, he felt he faced some health stuff. Basically, was sort of put in a position where he had to choose between, you know, his health and his business. And he did what all of us would encourage him to do: choose his health. And um, but I found myself in a scenario where I was, um, you know, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, right? And and I was this highly skilled sort of sold off after professional in this area that I live with a lot of um, training and, and um, networking, largely because of um, the exposure he provided. And I went to him one day, kind of like freaked out, um, knowing that the, the, the sports, I mean, I'm sorry, the, um, yeah, the, the uh, chiropractic office was going away. And so I had to do something, right? And he, I asked him what his opinion was. And he said, he said flat out to me, he said, Jason, you're too good at what you do. And, uh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be willing to listen, uh, to other people bossing you around. So you, you need to go do your own thing. You got to just take the risk. And, um, and so that's what I did. I mean, at the time I was scared. Um, but, uh, I did it because I trusted the man and, you know, um, and that's, what he said I should do. So I just went with it. So open, you know, I went, I went and interviewed a bunch of people for partners for this vision of mine. Um, and then eventually settled on a couple of people after the interviews and opened the first gym. And then that was, that was very successful. I mean, we, I was really um, honestly shocked how quickly we outgrew ourselves. I mean, we had about a 5,000 square foot facility, first one. And was, um, was that gym a CrossFit facility at the time or did it turn into it? Um, from its inception. So the, the name of that company was Terrapin Strength and Conditioning and it was a CrossFit affiliate too. So it, it offered what we called Terrapin CrossFit classes. And um, so yes, it was, it started that way and it, and it also ended that way as well. So three years into, you know, we had a three-year lease. And so basically by the second year, we were like, Oh crap. Like we, we need more space. Like we grew too, you know, too fast. Um, and so um, the current facility that I now own and operate uh, orig the original owners of that place, you know, um, got themselves into um, a, a sketchy situation where they built this, this wonderful facility. And then about a year and a half after it had, had opened, there was nobody around. Like they, they were so far in the hole and they had almost no members like operating day to day. And so they were, they were burnt out, done. Like they, they, you know, they overestimated what they were, you know, capable of doing or willing to do or whatever. I don't, you know, I can't speak for them, but, mm -hmm. um, but basically they pleaded, you know, they're like, I want to get rid of this thing. I don't want to do this anymore. And so my partners and I, um, you know, we, we went through the process of seeing if this would be a good solution to our limited space problem. And ultimately we ended up deciding it's worth a try. And so that's how we got to where we're at. And, um, and then, you know, for the last eight years ish, it's like seven years, maybe, um, you know, it's been us trying to find a way, you know, create uh, solutions to make this big monster work in the way that our vision 
um, is supported. In quite a journey for you. And, and that basically brought us to roughly 2016. So, um, or, or 2014 and then 2016, um, you know, there was, you've, you've had some changes in other partners along the way, but um, mm -hmm. you've been in there for a while. What would you say some of the biggest milestones were or biggest, you know, paradigm shifts, things like that, that looking back, you say like, these are things that led us to where we are now. Um, so I'd say a big one was when we, when we moved from the Terrapin facility to top tier, um, we, we were trying, I, I think we fell into the, um, bandwagon essentially of the image of CrossFit, you know, like that the average person goes and Googles CrossFit, looks at YouTube videos, social media, they're probably going to see a lot of the, you know, one percenters, you know, the people who are, you know, competitive in the sport, love it, live and breathe it. Um, and, but there's, you know, 99% of the people that go into that, that um, CrossFit and functional fitness space are just regular people, right. That are just looking to, you know, get fit, feel better, you know, um, have fun, you know, and at the time when we first transitioned from one place to the other, um, we were going into the previous community, you know, that the original group that was at top tier, that small little group of call it 30 to 40 people, <laughs> very small. They, um, they fancied themselves as like, high level CrossFit competitor people, you know, and like what we live and breathe this thing and we train two days, you know, uh, you know um, and as a business and also as cro uh, CrossFit competitors at the time ourselves, I think we got kind of caught up in that, you know, that the hype of, of like everything's about, you know, training hard and, and sport and performance and PRing and, you know, going and go, you know, work out crazy hard and you're on the ground dying and everyone's high-fiving you because you're dead on the ground. Um, and gradually we started to find that uh, we were, we didn't feel like that message and that culture was in fact who we were, you know, that we, we enjoyed a more balanced sort of approach, you know, thinking more about longevity and fun and, um, you know, global fitness as it fits into like a person's general life um, balance. And so there was this division originally, you know, where um, both in our minds and in our business, there's this big, there's infighting, like the, the, the athletic competitor people wanted more of that and only that right and then you have uh, a, a minority of people like that kind of is annoyed by that energy you know and that's not where they're at emotionally and over time we made a decision um that who we are as owners and what we value um in our space most is you know health and wellness and fun and so um gradually these these people that are um so intense around you know um performance and, and um fitness 
they started finding that this space wasn't necessarily the space for them. Um, that we, we nowadays for the last, I'd say maybe like four years, we've really, I mean, you go on Google, read our reviews. Like we have a ton and they're very positive. And, you know, you get this picture that this place is great for new people, you know, that this place is very inviting and, and um, feels comfortable and is not, you know, a bunch of people screaming and yelling and, and um, valuing how someone looks or how, how strong they are. If you're, if you're not strong, then you don't belong. You know, uh, if you're not, you're not showing up five days a week, you don't belong. Right. <laughs> um, and so I'd say that was a big, big um, transition and a big lesson, you know, that, that we as owners, as people had to also sort of internalize because I think, again, we were guilty of getting caught up in, in that hype too, originally, you know? So how much of that played into your decision to de-affiliate from the CrossFit brand and name? Um, I guess it's been roughly a year or so that you, you did that. Yeah. So um, there's a couple layers of this. So one is in 2000, I think it was 2019, we rebranded. So originally we were, we were top tier CrossFit Columbia. Okay. And then after a while we, we were like, why do we keep like just talking about CrossFit in our name? Because the daily operations is it's completely different than that it's like all these different subcultures operate together and we're trying to grow this inclusive space and so we rebranded to top tier fitness columbia all right um in 2019 or sometime around there and um and uh still 2022 all right um we're in right and for a year we haven't been affiliated with crossfit and we still get people who come in and say something about us being a CrossFit facility. Like they, they describe us as that. Um, and so try as we might, um, we've, we've tried to not specialize in the brand name of CrossFit for the last several years. And yet the general, you know, uh, you know uh, population around us seems to still either be um either think we are um or they just in their mind maybe they just sort of group us in with those types of gyms maybe that's what it is and so you know we <laughs> we've been trying to expand this idea in our brand name and um we don't it's like we don't even we don't need to pay for the affiliation for that to happen because it's happening even when we're trying to not have it happen, which is ironic. Um, yeah. but I, I think it's just you know it's like we live in a very um, Columbia, Maryland, Howard County. It's a very saturated CrossFit market. I mean, it's it's really quite bad here how how many there are and how close they all are and everything together. And so you know we made the decision like we're not trying to specialize in that word. And um, we seem to be sort of caught in it, no matter how hard we try to expand the idea. And, um, and there's so much um, saturation in the market that the actual brand itself um, doesn't really, it, 
I mean, we've had a lot of conversations with CrossFit Inc. Um, in terms of debating whether we continue our affiliation in 2022. And they basically don't have anything to offer us to make it worth us investing in that brand further. And it's like, they basically just want us to pay the money so that we can use that word. And we're like, but we don't, we, we're not going to use the word, but we get the benefit. It seems like 10 years later, still having the word associated with us. Um, so, you know, it, it was an, it's an interesting conundrum really, you know? Yeah. Uh, do you know who Stu Brower is? Do I know who, what's Stu the name? Brower. No. He's, he's, you know, in the, the guru consulting gym space, WTF gym talk, you know, he's got his podcast and stuff, but I always, I talk about the Stu Brower conversation. He de-affiliated, changed his business model up a little bit. He was still a lot of group fitness, a lot of, you know, functional movement, things like that. But the conversation that he said he found himself ha having all the time that worked with that overarching concept is people would say, hey, are you a CrossFit? Because they'd see the rig and the barbells and all that stuff, all the iconic things from CrossFit. Hey, are you a CrossFit? And he would say, are you looking for CrossFit? And if they said yes, he'd say, great. We're not technically a CrossFit, but let me show you all the things that you're going to like about what we do. And if they said, no, no, I absolutely don't want CrossFit, he'd say, great. Let me show you all the ways we're different, but some of the things that we have that we do well. And it seems like that's almost a conversation in a way that you may be having right. for better or for worse, but without having, I mean, if you can't find, I don't know how much your affiliate was costing, but these days, you know, $3,000 a year, that's what it was. you can invest somewhere else. Uh, if right. you're having those conversations anyway, then right. I'll take, I'll take the $3,000. Totally yeah. fine. I'll give you my Venmo off the air. Heck, right. I'll give it on the air if anybody else wants to send me money. I like it. So, <laughs> so you you made that decision, or you know, HQ sort of helped make it for you in a way of like this is the direction we're going in. And I've seen some mm -hmm. stuff where they say like, hey, we're gonna really go back in the other direction we're going to push the games and that's going to send people to affiliates and i'm not so sure that i think that that's what a lot of people want even if it works let alone mm -hmm. do i think it's going to work but if right. you're not looking for those people that are like oh i saw the games i want to do that um it's a little bit different you've got a facility that can accommodate all different modalities goals training age, physiological age, you know, there's so much that you have that you can accommodate under your roof. So this is an interesting concept. Um, I was discussing with a, an OG UK CrossFitter uh, recently with um, CrossFit in general has a lot less of the hard charging competitive athletes than it used to, right? A lot of those people are like, it's watered down. I don't want to go work out with soccer moms or, you know, the dentist or whatever the case it is. And it almost feels like now there's a white space for somebody to feel like, because I don't think there's some place for those people to go that's recognizable nationwide or on a local level. So do you feel like that is a space that exists that, that somebody could come in and fill as a business model and then if it, if it were viable, do you think it's something you'd ever adopt in your space as its own separate program that maybe wasn't called CrossFit? Maybe it was called hardcore 
you know, puke on the floor fitness, whatever, whatever the case may be. What are your thoughts on that? So if I, if I understand your question correctly, are you, you're asking, I rambled, I apologize. Um, are you, that's all right. Are you asking me that, um, do I think in our current space that we would want to have a separate, like a service dedicated towards the people who are looking for and interested in um, like an intense workout that does leave them extremely exhausted and, and near like puking, puking kind of thing. Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. So the two parts were, do you think that there just exists a space in the fitness industry for that as a niche? Mm -hmm. And if so, is that something that you think you would ever adopt in your space? Okay. Um, so yes, I think there's a space for that. All right. Um, I, I think, and yes, I'd be open to um, creating it within my own facility as well. Here's, and you can hear my hesitation, right? It's like that. Um, if we're just talking about my personal opinion and my personal experience, I've lived that life more than once across more than one high performance sport, and um, I. There's a lot of great stuff, a lot of great stuff that came from those experiences for me. But I look back on them and I also think that I could have gotten where I got to, and in fact, probably could have achieved even greater had I shifted slightly my perspective um, at that time in my life to not put all of my chips into intensity, all right? And so, um, if I took something like this on in my facility now, I think I would do it a, because the people, the customer base, that's where they're at, right? That, whether I like it or not, that is what they're looking for right now. Um, but I also see it. I see myself as a teacher above all else, um, a mentor, a leader, you know, leading by example above all else. So like, to me, it's an opportunity to also meet those people where they're at and also from my own lived experience, show them, hey, you know, don't stop doing what you're doing, but maybe we can tweak this, this idea slightly so that maybe you could do this longer than I did. Maybe you can get to a higher place than I did and learn from my mistakes during a period of time more than once where I just, everything, was about intensity, you know? Um, and so I think there's definitely a place for it in the industry. And I also think it's a teachable moment, um, a mentoring moment for people who have lived those lives to, to try and guide those younger people in a slightly different direction without taking away their love of, uh, of the intensity and, and, and performance. I, I love that. That's where you went with it. Because that's that's where my brain has been lately, and it's not it's not a path I want to go down personally. But from viability of a business model, it's it's one of those things that it might seem obvious, but it, it's how do you execute? It's like you get these people who want to be on eleven all the time, and they're a specific type of training, and they go a certain way. And it's like if you can get them to say like, "Hey, I get it. We're going to go eleven four days a week." Mm -hmm. 
we're going to have two days at five and one day at two. Right. But then like you might have a day once, you know, these people are probably competitive minded, whether, yeah, whatever level we're going to have, you know, we're going to be able to situate this. So like one day a quarter or two days a quarter, you're going to be at a 15, like you, but we have <laughs> to, like, I'm going to, I'm going to take all that energy you have and harness it, but I need you to give me a little bit of leeway to keep you in the game long enough to get there. Not, right. the, not the very tip of the tip of like, I'm not going to mention any names. I think there's some coaches in competitive fitness who operate a lot. We'll, we'll take it to a different level. I think there are, if we look at the Russian or Chinese weightlifting programs, mm -hmm. they just take everybody and crush them every day. And whoever survives is an amazing champion. Sure. Maybe there's some performance enhancers. Maybe there's not, but they just, they have so much volume that the coaching quality is good, but they also just select for the freaks of nature. Right. The step below that, I think, is let's not break anybody. Let's find those people that want to get squeeze every ounce of juice out of the fruit, but they don't ever want to have, you know, the vine chopped off. So right. I think that's it's an interesting place that I don't think many people are ever going to build a multi-hundred client facility, but I think it's a viable business model if somebody can do a proof of concept and, and get some people to have faith in them. So like you say, it's a mentorship opportunity, teachable above and beyond just, Hey, come here and train. Yeah. Like, um, so I'm very philosophical. Like to me, everything in life's connected. Like there, nothing is in isolation. And so, um, one of the added challenges I feel like we have in this kind of this kind of conversation about this particular demographic is we now live um, in a society where productivity and hustle culture is the overwhelming message. And that even at the, like, even at the school public school level, you know, or in a corporate office setting, there's constant pressure to perform and hit certain metrics. You know, everyone's wearing wearables, you know, and telling them, you know, and give and and using technology to just, you know, to essentially assign meaning to whether they did a good job today or didn't, you know, am I good enough or not? And the culture, the outside of the gym world that we've created um, encourages the behavior that we're describing of this demographic, the intensity, the, the like, you know, come in and crush ourselves. And if we didn't, we we were failures and we're not, we didn't do a good job and we didn't try hard enough. And, you know, if our general culture was uh, a little bit more kind, you know, like maybe some of the places in, you know, European culture, for example, where they value rest and recovery and relaxation as much as getting the job done, um, it, it might look different, right? But here uh, in the United States, in my opinion, we're digging everyone into their own grave, you know, through our general messaging. And then we go into our fitness world and it's there again. And so every message that's coming across people's eyes and ears for the most part is you're not good enough. You got to try harder. You got to put more effort into it. Everyone else is getting ahead of you, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, having tried to create a space where this high intensity culture also exists within the, um, I'll say more maybe holistic culture, 
you know, we can pick, we can debate over the words all we want, but um, there's a, there's a fight, right, from the ideology. So when in a big old, big space, you know, um, where one group wants all the high energy, you know, noise and sounds and slamming of weights and blasting music and screaming, yelling, whatever. And then you have this other group that, you know, wants a little bit more calm environment, you know, more guidance, more coaching, more mentorship, like they clash and it is hard. Um, I, I, I confess, I don't think I've really found, in my opinion, the solution to having them coexist in one space. Um, I do think there is and are solutions, um, but I, I think we've had very mixed results with attempting to create them. Yeah, it's a good fight to fight, though. I think it's gonna. It's one of those things where, if you're in it, if you, you know, one of the things that I always say is like, you know, we talk to gym owners that are in the trenches, changing lives. If you're there and you're seeing it, and that's your motivation is to do more than just turn a profit. I'm all about the profit, man. It it makes the wheels go. It lets us do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But if you're in it because you're trying to make a difference and change and improve people's lives and performance and things like that. It's a good fight to fight. So yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So with what we're doing, um, you know, you've already said that you, you find that there are opportunities above to elevate training to mentorship and off the air. We talked a little bit. You're a person who on the other side, you've given and received and currently participate in in some programs. Um, so you see the value of getting outside your own headspace of your own bubble and finding different voices, different things that come on. So uh, as a person who, who does find value in different mentorship, peer group, things like that, can you tell us what that means to you and how it's affected, um, you know, we go back to the word holistic, you know, you as a person and a business owner in, in their intersection. Right. Um, so speaking on this can't be done without giving a little more background about me, I'd say. So, um, so I believe that everything that we experience in our early lives, whether we like it or not, it, we bring it into everything later too. And hopefully all of us are trying to reflect on those experiences trying to grow and evolve and better ourselves in whatever way that means for us, right? And so um, my, um, my early life had its struggles. Um, there's molestation and abuse stuff in there um, quite a bit. And then um, there, were, there were periods eventually around suicide ideation and I had eating disorders when I was, um, uh, older teenager, you know, like near college age, um, eventually got into drugs, opiates. And, you know, without, you know, taking the time and the details, which I'm happy to share, but we probably shouldn't. Um, the, the, uh, I was, a, I'm a broken person, uh, uh, you know, as part of whom I am. Right. And so going through life, trying to figure out how to conduct myself, how to be happy in my own skin, how to find meaning and purpose in my own life, how to make sense of the experiences I've lived through and um, continue to go through. Um, 
you know, I tend to isolate as a person, um, but as I isolate more and more through my life, I find that I, I create more and more harm to myself and the people around me. And so one of the things that I found very useful to me in overcoming, for example, my drug addiction um, and um, finding um, relationships, like I didn't even start dating anyone until I was like 21 or something. Um, you know, the, the finding people who have lived life and have been through similar things as me and have gotten to this other side and um, and and can now look back on it and like, oh, like I, I I'm in a way I'm oddly glad I experienced those things because I, you know, I'm who I am now kind of stuff um, has been tremendously helpful because. I have always been a great student. Uh, I, am a, I am a very intellectual person. And so for the longest time in my early life, I was very much, um, I, I held academia and research um, and formal education on this extremely high pedestal. But I was so dogmatic in that experience for myself. I saw that I, I didn't connect with people um, very well. And the mentorship allowed me to, to be able to learn how to connect with people. And it allowed me to have proof that if I try and learn and um, follow direction, that maybe I can get to this other side of this life, having looked back on my own life and say, you know, some of that stuff sucked, um, but look at what I've been able to accomplish look at what how i've been able to evolve as a result i don't think i could have ever done that without people that i connected with who i trusted who are showing me it's already been done jason like i'm living proof it can be done um and so that's been huge in my life wow um man i i appreciate you sharing that and uh, again, without getting too deep and too off topic, uh, as somebody who can relate to a, a lot of those things that that you went down, um, I know how it can shape somebody and how it can affect relationships and how you you view different things. And I think sometimes the the academic and the factual can be just so ironclad that it can be a, a you know a, a great thing to to hold on to, but can cause uh, avoidance of a lot of other things. So. You channel that now into an energy where you're finding professional and personal development um, through some of the, the more well-known names in the industry. And, and we can mention them or not if you want, but the main thing that it seems like for you is it, it sounds like it's a path that's not, I need to learn this thing and, and then I'm done. It's like continual learning and evolution to try to try to be in the game more than win the game. If, if that makes sense, um, to just, just be in it and not, and let the existence and the experience be the goal. Is that, am yeah. I understanding that the best as best possible there? Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, absolutely the case. Yeah. So for, for our listeners, um, you know, who are, who may be out there and, in seeking mentorship, seeking peer groups, seeking things like that for various forms of, of improvement, do you have any, 
any basic rules of thumb, any things that you look for or red flags, you know, that, that you feel like, Hey, this is something I want to be involved in. This is something I want to run away from. Um, so the first thing I look for when I am trying to find a tribe of people that I align with is, um, integrity, meaning like whatever they're teaching that they're actually embodying in their lives. Um, I, for sure, without going down a, you know, a tangent around our, our medical system, for example, like I see constantly in my profession, people who are encouraging people to behave in certain ways um, and yet can't seem to incorporate them in their own personal lives um, either. So um, I definitely think that a resume, for example, you know, someone's, someone's formal credentialing and like having some kind of formal education and some, some evidence that I, I took the time to go through a certain kind of training is important. But to me, it's, it's not number one. Number one is you're embodying the life that you're, you're professing um, to, to teach. Um, and then after that, to me, um, the second part for me is if you are in fact embodying this message, um, because of the law of attraction, you will have attracted a bunch of other people who resonate with that message around you. And so uh, almost without much effort, the, these mentors will, will have a tribe forming around them, um, uh, looking um, for connection, right? And then the third layer to that is, well, you know, like I'm kind of describing what could go a direction of like a cult, for example, right? Like depending on how we use these powers, like they could be good or bad, <laughs> like a, right? And so we have this person that's embodying this message, living this life, attracting these people of similar values to them. How do we figure out um, if, if these, this group and the, these mentors are, um, ethical in their teachings and, and their intention. Um, so I think we get that information mostly from two things. One, word of mouth from what, you know, um, and the life being lived by the followers. Um, but also, what have they done in terms of their own education experience, you know, um, to get there, right? Um, like a, a simple, probably, um, I mean, I got to go lots of directions, I guess, but like a simple, like, you know, direction would be like, um, you know, like I've never played professional football, right? I've never, I've never even played college football or like BWE football, right? And so, you know, if I was delivering messages about what football players should and shouldn't do um, in, a, in a very specific sense, um, I would argue it's a bit of a problem that I've never actually even experienced the game myself. You know, how it's hard to relate to people if I haven't had that direct experience in that specific, you know, topic. So, um, so I think we all need a combination of finding someone with integrity with a tribe that generally respects and speaks very highly of them, embodying the life that we're trying to, you know, essentially mimic. And when we hold, you know, essentially a, a metaphorical gun to these people's heads, we can, we can say, Hey, show us like, 
show us some level of proof that you've actually done what you say you've done. Okay, well, here's my resume, my bio, like, you know, here's people talking about, you know, my time with them, you know, learning this stuff. Um, so all that stuff, it layers on as being important too. Awesome, man. All right, last question. And we're going to stay on, on the, the higher level um, of this. You know, you get a, a lot of time in the game and you, irons in the fire. Every cliche applies to you. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you probably spent a lot of time, you know, reflecting. So mm -hmm. probably hard to pick anything. But is there any overarching message, piece of wisdom, advice, anything like that? Um, that stands out for you that you that you wish you could give to your younger self as as far as pertains to business because obviously life life has its many curves but is there anything that's really a big rock or a big needle mover that you'd love to tap yourself on the shoulder or maybe give yourself a shake and say like hey if you know this it's going to serve you the you know the highest yeah um, I'd say definitely one of those things is that being great at a skill, a, a, you know, a great technician. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm great at coaching and teaching people stuff. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm good at being a business owner. Um, that, that, that those are, that a lot of business owners, myself included, I'd say early on, sort of make this, this arrogant mistake of like, all these people look up to me and like really want to learn from me. And so that makes me special. And therefore, since I'm special, uh, I'm going to go do my own business stuff and then everything will be easy. Right. And like, um, and business ownership and the organization structure, the management of that business is so entirely different than the technical skills, um, of coaching. Um, so that's definitely one. And then the, the second one is, having fallen in the trap of being uh, Mr. Intellectual and sort of fancying myself as smarter than most. Um, it, in the end, it, it doesn't matter. Like it, it, if I continue, if I behave like that, um, if I really do believe things of that sort, it just disconnects me from people. And if I can't connect to those people, if I don't learn how to like emote and connect on an emotional level, and all the information and the comprehension, the skills I have in brain, they, they're not going to matter to anyone. You just end up talking to yourself, showing yourself how smart you are. Um, and so if I could do it differently in the past, um, I would have, I would have put a lot, I would have early in my, my teenage years, especially, I would have, I would have put more effort into like trying to meet people, talk to them, you know, just socialize um, and and learn how to communicate, you know, much more effectively and connect on an emotional level instead of doing what was comfortable, which was hiding behind my own intellect. And some, some powerful stuff there. Uh, we could go on for a long time, uh, but in the, in the, guidelines that we have for the show. I think that's a, a great place to leave it. Um, but before we let you go, I want to make sure that people can find you if they want to see what you're doing, reach out, check out top tier, all of those things. So um, not to cheapen what you just said, but I want to make sure people know where to find you. So where are all the places to, to check you out and find uh, more about top tier? 
you can um, go to the website, uh, toptiercolumbia.com. Uh, there's also um, Instagram and Facebook uh, accounts by the same name, Top Tier Columbia. Um, and then my personal um, social media is called Noble Training Institute. So that's my personal fitness brand. Um, I basically don't enjoy social media. So on a personal level, I don't have really anything. Um, I just have sort of the business stuff. So if somebody wants to connect with me directly, it'd either be emailing my um, Jason at toptiercolumbia.com email or just going to my per, um, my personal brand on Instagram and Facebook book called Noble um, Training Institute, like N-O-B-L-E Training Institute. Yeah. Not to be confused with the functional fitness uh, brand. It <laughs> yeah, sounds no. similar, right? Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure Noble, Noble Training Institute is probably Noble. That's... <laughs> that was funny. You know, it was funny. I picked the, the brand name for that reason that it was, it was a pun basically like a, you know, no bull, uh, sifting through kind of like the fitness industry, dogmatic stuff. And then, um, you know, in search of truth, you know, like um, being noble. Love it. All right, yeah. sir. That's all the time we have for today. I appreciate you spending some of your day with us. I wish you continued success down there. Thank you so much for taking some time. Thank you, Dom. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And everyone out there listening, appreciate you tuning in. This episode's a little longer than normal, but we dropped a ton of value. And by we, I mean, Jason, I just facilitated. So if you want to hear more episodes like this, they're few and far between. We try to keep them brief, but sometimes we got to get all this out there. So hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you new episodes drop to everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation. Keep working hard. Keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Jim Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez. And joining us on the show today is a very, very special guest. It is the one and only Kaname Cutler with Made Fit out of Queens, New York. Kaname, what is going on today? Happy Friday. I appreciate you being here. Happy How Friday. Feeling? I'm feeling good. Definitely ending off the week strong. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Same thing here. Ending the week strong. Having a good podcast with you today. So <laughs> can't end it any better. Am I right? So, uh, and look, Conor, we're excited to have you on. Very excited. And before we dive in to the nitty gritty of what you have going on with MadeFit, you know, first, why don't you take the time to tell us how you describe your business people, right? If I came in and I'm like, hey, tell me a little bit about your business. How would you explain it? Um, well, obviously, first things first, you go through the window, you see a gym. Um, you wonder if it's private or group or whatever. I definitely focus on private training. I like to describe my business more of less of a gym, more of like a holistic mental health facility. Um, and I do primarily focus on 
private. So it's really just like uplifting people, giving people a place to, you know, ease their anxiety and move at their own pace. And my favorite three S words, my clients to me say this a lot, strong, stable, and safe. I want to make everyone feel strong, stable, and safe. So that's really what my business is about. Yes, we lift weights. Yes, we work hard. But at the end of the day, it's all about pacing ourselves and making sure we feel strong, stable, and safe at all times. I love that. I love that. I just, I mean, it's, it's, it's really goes to show that it, you're in this for the right reasons. Am I right? I mean, I think when you, you're looking so far past, you know, oh, just like the, the, the surface level stuff, like, hey, we're going to have, you know, get this workout in and make you fit, whatever. It, it, it's strong, stable, and safe. And that's, you're talking about longevity here, right? Which is the biggest focus here, right? Keeping mm-hmm. your clients longer, right? Make them become a lifetime client with you. So I think that's awesome, the economy. And so, how many clients uh, are you serving currently? How many do you have currently? Uh, currently, I have 12 active. So I have more who kind of put a pause, summertime, vacations, family matters, um, severe mental health issues and other health issues. You know, so, but I'm by myself here, so 12 is a beautiful number. Gotcha. Yeah, no, totally. And so, you know, for you, What's been the best method of finding new clients, getting new clients through the door? What's worked really well for you? Um, Google. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not super good with Instagram and content creation. And at first, that kind of made me feel a little insecure. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to get any business if I'm not on Instagram. But that's totally false. Uh, Instagram is definitely great for more of international global reach or even like national being in America, America being so huge. But when you're one person and you know your workload really needs to be manageable, Google is great for attracting local business and people who you can actually serve, people who can actually come to you, meet you, get to know you. you know, so, yeah, Google. <laughs> no, that a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And have you have you tried any alternative method, maybe unorthodox or common, whether it's digital marketing or you know? events, flyers, does anything like that ever yield any results as well? Um, in complete honesty, um, I do suffer from anxiety myself. So I, I face myself and I, I, as soon as I start feeling overwhelmed, I ask myself, is this absolutely necessary to put myself through? Are there more important things to focus on? And first and foremost, nobody wants to be around stressed out, high strung, negative energy. And if I'm that person, no one is going to be attracted to me or my business. So I have to focus on um, sustainably keeping myself in a good place. And, you know, I haven't really had to use any of those tactics. I pay for, I pay for first page, top, top spot on Google. Most of my clients, I do ask them like, how did you hear about me? Whatever. And they're just like, you know what? I just typed in personal trainer near me and your studio was at the top. And I was like, oh, beautiful. Love it. Um, yeah, so I haven't really had to overextend myself. I feel like knowing who I am and knowing what best works for me, what environment I best work in, I create that environment, and I'm able to track my target market, my my clientele. It, it hasn't yeah. me yet. A hundred percent. And so, you know, if leads, traffic, clients, whatever you want to say, was unlimited here, hypothetically speaking, of course, how, how much can you handle? You're at 12. I mean, how much higher can you go? Um. 
honestly not much higher in terms of preserving quality because this space here so i mean you can't see it but i have a little lockbox outside my my studio is accessible even when i'm not here for my clients so we have a pretty exclusive and kind of holistically luxurious service going on here my clients have their trainerized programs they're able to come in and fulfill those programs whether i'm here or not and again uh that's kind of what my target market is looking for they're looking for privacy they're looking for you know ease of access and i, and I think the the thing that really keeps them around is me stressing to them that 10 percent is always enough you don't need to come in here gung-ho you don't have to go all or nothing whatever you have to give today give yourself that and be happy be happy with it you don't you don't have to practice beating yourself down you got to practice building yourself up even when you're not feeling your best yeah love that mentality i think that's awesome i think seriously i think when you can be that safe haven for people you know it's not only that comfort of hey i'm going to be able to work out here but that comfort just to walk in and be themselves you know and feel like they can approach it no matter how they feel for the day because you know sometimes you don't feel the best and you don't want to go to the gym but there's no one there to say hey it's okay if you're not feeling your best today you know, so I think that that's awesome, especially with that accountability portion of things. So, and with with where you're at now, Connor, how, how do you how do you track right? What how do you go about? <clears throat> excuse me, managing you know people who have been with you for a couple months, couple weeks. You know, if they've fallen off, cancellations. How do you go about tracking those things? Um. Again, I, I also use Vagaro. It's kind of like uh, my scheduling, my scheduling app. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Vagaro, but I've been with them for some years and they're constantly making updates to help business professionals such as myself, which I really appreciated because most of these apps are like salons and things like that, like nails and hair, and nothing really to help uh, someone such as myself track sessions or track the last time I've seen someone or things of that nature. And then I'm also able to like email and text message marketing so like if i haven't seen one in a, someone in a few months i get notified to notify them or to reach out to them like hey so if you haven't seen this person in like four weeks you should reach out to them it's like oh yeah so i, I have things to keep me on track as well no that's awesome i think that's, that's that's so necessary i feel like you know as fitness professionals right, we track our body fat how much weight is on the bar your macros but then it comes to those numbers and we're like uh I think, you know, three or four. Uh, yeah, I my clients help me track that stuff. Trainerize is, is very, um, like, I, like I, I tell my clients all the time, don't be surprised if you don't always see assignments on there because your assignment, just like showing up to the gym in order to get work done, you can't do anything unless you show up. So the number one thing I need you to do is just open the app. Just open the app. See if there's anything there. Um, I need you, if a lot of us have these like uh, smartwatches now and Fitbits, connect your Fitbit, go on the app at the end of the day, instead of looking on the app on your watch, open the Trainerize app, your accountability app, don't look at it as like, oh, I'm going to go find my workouts here, no, look at it as a diary, look at it as something you open up to hold yourself accountable, how many steps did I take today, could I have taken more steps, all right, what did I do, okay, let me try to take the stairs tomorrow instead of the elevator, let me show up five minutes earlier to work, any any little thing that you can catch yourself doing, take control of and implement change. And that's really what I ask my clients to do. If you went for a 30-minute walk today, open your app later, log it in. I don't really care if it was any 
being extravagant. If you, like most of my clients honestly have Pelotons at home. So I'm just like, log your Peloton, log it on the app. Um, also, we track our food. I'm not trying to make people be picky. I'm just trying to make people be aware. That's it. So they help me track things. If you did 35 pounds on your overhead press with dumbbells, but you went up to 45 pounds today, log that. Any little thing you can log, log it. It's just about holding yourself accountable. And if you forget, so what? As soon as you remember, you can even log, I forgot. I don't care. Just open it, log something, hold yourself accountable for what you are and are not doing. And slowly but surely, the more you see things in front of you, the more you choose how to engage them. But you can't engage them if they're not in front of you and ready yeah. to be touched, so to speak. No, so they help totally. me a lot with that as well. It's a team effort here. I love that. I love that. And it should be, right? You guys are serving each other. And so now here's going to be a little bit of a longer winded question, but a good question in itself, a, a kind of a, a good way to self-reflect almost. Um, and so if you need to repeat anything, just let me know. But what we've been discussing through the majority of the podcast is about the, the pillars of business that we have in the fitness and gym industry. There's just three that we use pretty predominantly. And that's going to be your lead generation, which is your marketing, right? Getting people through the door. Your client acquisition, which is your sales, right? Being able to obtain that interest in lead. And then your retention and ascension, which is keeping your clients longer, but getting them to buy more from you in that process. So of those three economy, where do you feel like you could improve the most? Um, where I can improve? I probably could improve in probably my marketing. Um, I don't over again, I don't overextend myself. I don't really put myself out there like that. Um, I think that's mainly because, like I mentioned before, it does give me a little anxiety. And I choose to focus my efforts on um, the things that I know I do well, um, which is delivering information, um, helping people track their progress and also really highlighting where they've grown. So you might not have gotten the biggest muscles over the past six months, like who really will, but I'm helping people focus on the things that do change, all those little things that eventually add up into the overall change that we really think we're gonna see within those first few months when we don't know any better. Um, but yeah, I could definitely put myself out there more. I could, I definitely could focus on content creation, but and putting things on Instagram and maybe even building up my online, my online virtual uh, clientele. But for me personally, as of right now, being that I'm just um, one coach, um, eventually, yes, I think I'll be able to step back and start focusing on getting people through the door. But I guess I always get nervous about what I'm going to do with them when they get through that door. And I want to make sure that when they do come through this door, they're properly served. And I don't have the confidence to do that on a larger scale just yet. Um, so I gotcha. don't want too many leads because then I'll feel like obligated to answer them all. And then what if I get 100 leads in a day and I, there's just no possible way I can answer them all, right? And then there are people feeling, oh, she doesn't get to me in time. She doesn't answer. I don't want to create that um, that obstacle for myself before I've actually really started. So this is my sixth going to my seventh year of business. Um, still fairly young for a business, and there's still a lot of opportunity to fail. So I want to minimize that as much as possible. Longevity is my goal. Slow, steady growth, just like I teach my clients here in the gym. But in summary, yes, I could definitely get better at my marketing. 
Yeah, no, I appreciate the honesty and transparency there. I think, you know, obviously we want to focus on the good on the podcast, but when we can open up and, and be as honest as you were there, I think that's the eye opener for the viewers, for everybody. I think that I appreciate, they appreciate. And so to kind of continue here with the last two questions, my two favorite questions, you know, what's the bigger picture for you? What are you trying to accomplish long-term? Long-term, um, anybody who knows me knows that I aspire to open the Matrix Resource Center. I grew up in Bedside, Brooklyn. Um, back before it is what everybody believes it to be now, not the best neighborhood to grow up in as a youth, not a lot of things to do, not a lot of places to go, not a lot of things to learn. Um, and we always had this thing downtown, um, not downtown, sorry, down the block at um, on Fulton Street and what we call uh, Marcy Ave. And it's called the Restoration Plaza. And Restoration Plaza, to be blunt, kind of looks like crap. <laughs> and there's not a lot of resources inside. There's like a post office, there's like a couple event spaces. But what I always uh, have dreamed of doing since I started this journey was creating a resource center where everybody, kind of like the Y, but on steroids, like the YMCA. Um, I want a entire facility where people can kind of get reconnected to themselves and not have to do all of these extra things just to gain access to those resources. Like for instance, kids selling drugs to get time in a recording studio. How about you just get a membership to the resource center and there's some people up on the third floor who can help you learn about music or recording or production. Um, and of course the gym, all of this stuff, folds into wellness and health. So this is just kind of, I think, running a gym um, is kind of the, the, tr the trigger thought. It triggers the thought of like, oh, health, fitness. But health and fitness is so much more than just what you look like physically or what you can do physically. It's actually about, I think, improving your quality of life. And if you feel good and you, you want to go outside and you want to smile at people and you want to say hi and you want to help someone and you want to do something new and you, you have to create that environment for yourself. And I really think if there were less obstacles to getting to those resources, a lot of people could be benefited. And yeah, I mean, adults, but, you know, this is going to be a, a 15, 20 years in the making and by then I'm going to be good and old and it's going to be for the kids it's going to be for, for other people to not have to do all the things that i had to do to get to where i am now so yes i want to open the matrix resource center in bedside brooklyn or somewhere in brooklyn and it's just going to be basically a holistic wellness center you can get your hair done there black owned hair, hair salons you can go to the barber you can get your nails done you can go to um, a podiatrist over in the spa, you can get acupuncture, a chiropractor, you can get physical therapy, you can get deep tissue massage, you can do sauna, you can do hydrotherapy. I want all of this stuff to be accessible. Things for your health. You shouldn't have to pay a $200 gym membership fee at Equinox and then an additional um, $50 for your hydrotherapy appointment. Why not just have an ice pool? If we set this up right, I think we can make these things accessible and we can prioritize health. And then people will be more than happy to go to work. People will be more than happy to do the hard stuff because they're putting themselves first. So excuse the long-winded explanation, but I'm very yeah. passionate about that vision. And yeah, rooftop gardens, photo panel, kind of back in the block. Let's see, I don't know. The possibilities of the resource center are endless, but that is my, that is my end game.
I love that. I love that. There's a, that's a huge picture. And I think that realistically <laughs> it, it, it's no, no, but I think the fact that, you know, it's almost like you're, you're speaking with such confidence where, you know, it's going to come to fruition. You know, it's just it's a matter of due time and due time. That's it. So I think that's awesome. And the fact that you're, you're looking back, back to your community, I think that's the biggest thing. And so one last question for you here, and it's my favorite question. You know, and, and kind of if you can go back in time here to when you first started the gym and give yourself that one piece of advice that you think you really needed to hear when you first started, what would that advice be for you? Oh, this was actually really easy because I wake up every day and I say it to myself now because um, I almost gave up. A lot of people don't know this. I was showing up to work every day miserable. I would pretend to smile. I had one client who I'll never forget her because I'm almost on the verge of tears now. It's that, it's that powerful. But I, I was going to sing and I showed up here one morning and she was like, you know, May, I'm going to finish out my package, but I don't think I'm going to continue because I just feel like you're going through the motions and I need someone who's going to fight for me. And hearing those words crushed me. Fight for me. I lost it, not really at her, but I broke down because I was in a relationship and I, that wasn't doing well and I was taking care of this person and I wasn't, I wasn't getting any help. Um, my whole life, I haven't had anyone fight for me. I've been fighting for myself. So to hear someone look me in my face and tell me basically that I'm not good enough because I don't have it in me to fight for them, that really crushed me. But... I cried, I went home later that day, I went to sleep, and I woke up, and I did it all again. And I've been waking up and doing it all again ever since, because when you put something, this much of yourself into something, what are you gonna do, stop? Just gonna give up? No, so only, only recently have I really found my fire again, and it's because I've been telling myself this. Do what you can do, no more and no less. Like I tell my clients when they come in here. If I know you have never done this thing before, and I'm asking you to press 100 pounds over your head, you are going to hurt yourself, and you're going to be incredibly discouraged, and you're not going to want to come back, and you're not going to feel strong, stable, or safe. But if I start you with something you know you can do, even if it's just 10 pounds, we have a way of showing ourselves, okay, this isn't so bad, and I'm willing to show up again. And as soon as you get used to that, you can add on a little bit more weight, and a little bit more weight, and a little bit more weight. Weight is just stress, right? So even though in the gym we have tangible stress, we will with stress. So I, I, I will look back in time and tell my younger self, give what you want to give, and move at your pace, right? How are you gonna preach something to your clients that you aren't practicing yourself? May, what about the people who, who get out of work late? I used to have 12 to 15 hour days. I'd be here at the gym at 6 a.m. and I'd be open until 9 p.m. My clients would be spaced out all over the place. I never could make any other plans to go do anything because I had time wasn't consolidated exhausted, but I felt like I was doing everything to please everybody but myself. And that's not why you really get into business for yourself, right? You get into business for yourself so you can do things how you want to do them. 
right? If you want to get in, into the cake business and you want to do vegan cakes, but then you're get people are like, oh, what about what about regular cakes? It's like, well, there are plenty of bakeries that bake regular cakes, and this is what I want to serve because I think my vegan cakes are spectacular, and I want to find the people who want this. I didn't tell that to myself soon enough. I was trying to please everybody. Oh, you want small group training? Okay, great. We'll do small group training. Two months down the line. Oh, you know what? We don't want to do it anymore. And now I'm sitting here with group training on my schedule with no one to take it up. Or someone's like, oh, yeah, we'll come in at 8 p.m. And eventually that's all. And I'm, and I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And there's no time for me. When do I get to take care of myself? So it's very important, I think, when you're going into business for yourself to move at a pace that's sustainable and to still prioritize your health first, prioritize you first. Everything comes from you. So if you're, if you're not taking care of yourself, the milk will be sour, so to speak, right? Assuming that there's a cow. Right, you gotta take care of yourself. And I wish I told myself that sooner. Sooner. I love that comment. Way to close it out here. That was a mic drop of an answer. I mean, holy cow. I appreciate the transparency again. I mean, seriously, to open up that much and, and be as honest as you are with the viewers with me. I mean, I appreciate the viewers, appreciate everybody appreciates it. Thank you for that. Look, it's a good place to wrap things up in this episode. Before we sign out, Kaname, you know, please, it'd be my pleasure. Shout out your Instagram, your Facebook website, anything you have. Where can people find out more about you and the gym? Um, all right. So my website is uh, www.madefitllc.com. My Instagram is at madefitllc. Um, and you can always, I guess, find other ways to contact me through those things, phone number, email, um, I guess DM is even uh, something that's easy at this point with all the social media going on. And that's about it. I don't have YouTube or anything like that. It's my website and my Instagram. Uh, yeah. That's it. Look, I, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast, Conor And we look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road. If you want to stick around for one second, it's a legendary podcast. Just stick around for like 30 seconds. And then uh, and to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button. And if you want to come in and join us to talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. 
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Miss Annie Hoover of Kicked by Annie Fitness, coming to you from Cleveland, Ohio. Annie, what's going on? How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you, Annie. I'm excited to to pick your brain and and see what sort of wisdom and, and lessons we can extract out of there. Before we venture off and explore the nitty gritty and strategy and tactics and all of that, tell us a little bit about this business in the first place. I'm a big believer in context. And so Kicked by Annie, what is this business and, and what is this about? So Kicked by Annie Fitness is like my own personal training, group fitness, my own training business. The name came about actually when I was taking the step to venture out on my own completely and I had to become an LLC and go through the whole, you know, process. What do we call ourselves? Like, what, what's the name of my business? I mean, I don't know. We had different names of the types of the classes or the workouts we did, but some of my clients actually had made shirts that had said like kicked by Annie or I got mine kicked by Annie. So when we were brainstorming the name, everyone was like, well, what else would it be? Kicked by Annie Fitness. We abbreviate it KBA Fitness sometimes. Like we have KBA logos in some of my uh, like shirts and and things like that. But Kicked by Annie kind of evolved as the name and really like they gave it to me, which it kind of fit. Um, My logo is like a little, because at the time I was teaching at a martial arts school as well. So it's a little um, caricature of me that somebody had drawn and it's me doing a sidekick Uh to my, it says kicked with like the K is kind of cracked and by Annie Fitness. So it kind of all went fit and it's worked. Yeah. And so this has been sort of a, a brand that then evolved into a more established business. Take us back to when this got a little bit more solidified. When did you first open up your original facility? What time or what year was that? Time frame. Okay. So I was at a big gym for about 16 years, teaching classes, training. I was their fitness coordinator. I'm also a nurse. So I don't know if I should put that background in there too, but okay. The whole span of like everything I was working as a nurse and also doing training and stuff on the side. My love, my passion was always like fitness and working out. I I competed for a while. I did fitness competition, that sort of stuff. So my business sort of grew naturally just from people in the gym and the classes I would teach. So I'd been there a long time. The gym was going to sell. Everyone was nervous about what was going to happen. So at that point, I I knew I had a big enough following that I always wanted to have my own business, my own studio. I didn't know if that would ever happen because it's a scary step. And when you're the comfort of a gym umbrella for so long, it's comfortable. Right. I was, I knew I could do it. I was a little scared, but I approached the um, owner at the martial arts school at the time. And I had, you know, told him where I was at and the gym was going to close so I wanted to bring my business there and sublease out of his facility, which I felt like was the best first step in, in the process of doing this myself, just because, like I said, it's scary. And in the years of doing this, I have helped a lot of gym owners get their businesses up and running. And, I, you know, I've networked and collaborated with a lot of people in the industry and in the area. So, you know, you have a lot of connections, which is a, mm-hmm. great, you know, thing to always have a good network of people around you. Absolutely. Um, 
I'm sorry. That's Go okay. ahead. So, so he agreed. So I, I subleased out of the, the martial arts school and I brought all my business to there. I was his fitness end of the martial arts. That was in 2013. And that's when I, you know, left the gym, became an LLC, subleased from the martial arts school. Was there about two or three years. I was having some difficulties with some of the guys in the facility, me being the only female. Some of them were a little bit egotistical men, but it heads with me big time. So yeah. there were times that I was like this, you know, it wasn't the right environment for myself or my clients. Um, you know, I had an incident one time with one of the instructors literally like getting in my face and I, you know, the owner stood there, watched the whole thing. And I was like, I, I really can't believe you let this guy talk to me that way. And he's yeah. like, well, what? I thought you handled yourself pretty well. You were like a little pit bull. I'm like, that's when I realized like, I can't do this. If I'm going yeah. to be on my own. Sure. So learned a lesson, super nervous about it. But I came home, told my husband, I got to open up my own studio. I can't do this anymore. I can't be in that environment. I'm going to find my own space. At the time we had just built our house that we're in currently. And I still was working at the hospital, but you know, he was like, wait a minute. And like a little nervous. That's about a big it. leap, right? Yes. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do it. I have to do it. It's going to work. I'm not, I'm just going to jump in and not look back, which was scary, but I ended up finding a space that was actually pretty close to the martial arts school where I was at. So I felt like it was an easy transition for my clients. Cause they say, every time you move facilities, you lose a percentage of your clientele, which right. I about because I, I couldn't lose anything you know I needed to now pay my own rent so I found a space that I knew I could fit into it was a smaller size warehouse I knew I could fit and make it work and and retain the people and pay the rent so mm -hmm. I and that's why I kind of did it in phases where it was like a smaller size space sometimes the groups were tight and I would try to pack too many people in there but we would do things inside outside I always found a way to make it work and that took a lot of creativity and and work endlessly, but it worked. So if it was adding more like times in my schedule or more, you know, options for people getting in there, yeah, yeah, yeah. it worked. So I started there and then just, I was in that same facility for five or six years. And then just this past December, another warehouse space opened up that was literally like just a few doors down, but bigger. So I moved into the bigger one knowing I could make it work now and comfortably fit there and, and still like pay my rent, feed my kids, got to make a living, you know, these things are important. Yeah. Right. And, and um, so a couple of different evolutions of this along the way, right. It didn't yes. start as this established brand. We sort of bootstrapped it from the very Correct. beginning. And I feel like that worked really well for me, kind of not having a business end of things at all. No, yeah. I was doing is in training, knowing I had a solid foundation of clients that literally would follow me. I mean, I have a wide radius of people come from east side, west side, south. Like it's it's a wide range of locations that people come to me for. Um, but still, it's nervous knowing like I got I have no backup. Like I got to make this work on my own. So that's I, that's an important part of running a business. That's right. for sure. And, and so, so doing it in phases kind of helped me you know, ease into that. I also looked at like, okay, I have a warehouse space. I have some empty office space up front I'm not using. What can I bring in there to utilize that space that's going to help me pay the rent? So I have a massage therapist that rents the room. 
I've, I've had other instructors in and out subleasing for me, teaching classes, training their clients, things like that, which helps. But I feel like I've learned over the years, like it can never, ever rely on anything like that and get too comfortable. Oh, you, sure. No. So I have so, to yeah. make sure that I can stand on my own two feet. Yeah. Nobody cares about your baby as much as you care about your right. baby. Right. 100%. So, here we are with the business as things stand now. How do, how do your membership numbers or, or your clientele roster, how does it compare to late 2019 or early 2020? How hard were you hit by COVID? So I actually did not lose anybody during COVID. My clients Good. are hardcore, extremely dedicated. They were like freaking out when shutdown happened. Like, what are we going to do? So what I did, like, I feel like if COVID taught us anything, it's to improvise. And there's always a way to make it work. So I went online. Like, you know, everyone was forced to go online. I would still go to my studio every day and stream from there. Mm -hmm. Clients, if they didn't have what they needed at home to do the workouts, come in, take all the equipment they needed. They kind of like signed out uh, like who had what as far as equipment. So they took it all home. And then we streamed. I, I do a sign up every week. Um, and I send that out weekly to my, all my regulars that come to the groups or classes and they would sign up that way. And I would send out a message before the, like we did today, like before this was going to happen, here's the link. I would initiate the call and put everybody on. And then we would do the workout. Like I was in my studio, but they were at yeah. home. And that way I was still watching everybody on the screen. Sure. They were still, you know, getting in there regular. And we did that all through COVID until we could open back up. Couple times when things were lightening up, we scheduled some like outdoor workout field trips. So we'd meet yeah, at yeah. location and and we did it that way when the weather permitted and we could get outside and do that. So, you know, we just nothing. You did what you had to do to mm -hmm. make it through. Now in the new facility, I assume a little bit more capacity, a little bit room of room to add yes. people. Are you full now or are we sort of pedal to the metal growth mode? No, I'm full. I'm full now. And it, I feel like I was over full in my last space. So we filled where I'm at. Ah, okay. So I kind of grew and grew and grew in my last space. And my clients would say like, you need a bigger studio. I'm like, I know, I know I'm working on it. I just had to make sure it was all right. And it was going to work correctly. I didn't want to be one of those gyms that closed in a couple of months because, right. you know, went up and down. I've seen that so many times. And I feel like there's a reason why things have worked well for me all these years. Yeah. It seems like that, that belief has served you thus far. Mm -hmm. I've done it on a slower pace, um, but it's worked and it's worked well. And so I continue that. So I'm really good where I'm at right now. Could I take on more people? I, I would try to, but I, you know, I, I could probably use some help before I, <laughs> Staffing is certainly a conversation that, that we can venture off into. I'm afraid that that would dominate the entirety of our conversation here because yeah. there's so much for us to go into. But do you think that that capacity would increase if it was more than just you? Are, are, are you the bottleneck right now? Is, I guess, a better way to, to word that? Yeah, meaning like... Do like you, you only have so many hours in your day. Right. And I'm literally, I'm at my studio every day of the week as it is. I work seven days a week, every week. And yeah. I, I love it. I don't ever not want to go in. Like I love doing it a hundred percent, but it's, 
it's exhausting at times too. Like I can imagine. You know? yeah. yeah. And I, I still working at the hospital. I only work PRN, so I'm not there a lot, but literally like I've been in this mode of go, 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 go for so many years that I don't know that I would know what to do if I wasn't like this. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And yeah, vacations come up and my kids are, you know, getting older now. My youngest just graduated from high school, so she's going to be in college. And, you know, it's easier with my kids grown now. Um, but I mean, it's always been a juggle of, of everything, of life and all of it. And, you know, finding the right person to help me when I did need it. You know, there were times that I reversed the situation and had my clients go into my studio and I had them zoom me in and I gave them the workout from a vacation spot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had them go in and plenty of ways to make it happen. <laughs> right. And, and so is hiring the next move for you? What's it, how to, how does that gonna take shape? Um, I mean, as far as like the people that I have and I train, like I, I said before, like my clients, they prefer that they it's me. Um, so I think though finding the right, like the people, the person that I do have that come in to help, they really like him. Um, not me. I always tell them like, you gotta be nicer to these guys. Don't be so nice. Don't be so or meaner to these guys. Don't be so nice. He's super nice. And I'm sort of like a little more hardcore on them about things. And that's who I am. That's, they know this. It's a love hate thing, you know, but he's a super nice guy. I'm like, don't be so nice to them. <laughs> and so it takes a certain personality type for sure Correct. Correct. now annie big picture this with me for a minute we're we're somewhat at capacity we've had our own brand of challenges when it comes to figuring out ways around that or figuring out who can be that sort of next person in the business and so a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, where do you see this business? What's kind of the goal that we're shooting for here? So just in the last six months, maybe nine months, I've had two different other biz other gyms, people that I know that have their own gyms. One of them is in Cleveland, but on the east side. The other one's a friend of mine that I knew from the first gym I was at. He's in Florida now with a couple of gyms. They both are in connection with me trying to get me to kind of franchise my, my workouts, at least my programming into their facilities. They're both, they do a lot of group fitness, um, warehouse type facilities, like what I have. So they want to either have me train their trainers and let them give my workouts in their facilities or have me do something like a virtual kind of here giant TV in the room and giving a workout to their, you know what, like I'm doing with my clients online now, um, but it, in their gym. So I feel like I would have never thought of doing that on my own. They, you know, both approached me at different times about, you know, they love my workouts. They, they've been in, they love the, the group, the atmosphere, the camaraderie. They want to have that in their facility too. So yeah, I would love to, we're trying to, that's another aspect of, you know, kind of franchising myself out and helping them deliver that same thing in their, you know, but like, you know, me being here, yeah, I'd love to have something in Florida, but realistically, how often am I going to get there? You right. know, well, and, it's an interesting potential new revenue source, at least. Right. Right. And so my, and the other one that's here in Cleveland, he's out with me 
So, well, this is another story. So I told you I was a nurse, um, but I have a, I mean, I collab, I do a lot of collaborating with people with like the board of health. I've done like health and wellness clinics and seminars and many times people would ask me to talk at something or come, you know, do body fat caliper checks or talk to a suscitation smoking clinic about that working out and eating right and blah, blah, blah. I've, I've always volunteered my time to do that stuff. So I got asked to be a uh, trainer for a health and wellness clinic that's connected to the Cleveland Clinic. So that physician, you know, they, they've got like hundreds and hundreds of patients. They wanted a trainer that they could refer their, their clients to. So I started working with them. There's another trainer that works with them. He's the one on the east side, just opened up his own gym. So in the meantime, he started coming to me to train with me, work out with me. And he was like, I love your workouts. The, this is, you're the best. And I'm like, well, thank you. I always tell people like my reputation sort of speaks for itself, but um, it's a love hate thing. Like I said, some people will tell you like, you know, I'm ruthless. Some people love me. Some people love me, hate me. Like yeah. if you want to get results, I'm going to help you get there. Like I'm hundred percent about doing what you can do to be the best you. And everybody's capable of doing more than what they think they can. I just want to help you reach sure. potential. So yeah. started working with, with him. He opened up his gym just in the last couple of months. And now he's like, okay, now we got to get you over here helping like franchising your workouts in here, you know? So we're trying to figure out all the, you know, all of that next. And I think it's a really good idea and I think it can work. We just gotta, you know, figure it all out. Especially if it's something that my name is gonna be on. I'm very particular about the way things are done. Right. The, the programming, like it, like I said, there's a reason why my clients have been with me. Some of them were at my wedding in 2000. When people mm. ask me like, how long have your client, they, I mean, a long time. The longest one is like 20 some years. Like, Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, some of the biggest challenges that we see when owners either name the business after themselves or they are the main trainer, the clientele gets so used to working with that person that it can be a really, really tough transition yes. to then bring anybody else in. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and, and how you overcome that. Annie, that's a really, really great place for, for us to begin to wrap up our conversation. But before we sign out of here, where can people learn a little bit more about what you do? Is there a website? Is there social media? Where can people go? Yes. So uh, my website is just www.kickedbyanniefitness.com, all one word. Um, I'm on um, Instagram, Kicked by Annie Fitness, Facebook. Same, it's all Kicked by Annie Fitness. Um, Straightforward it, enough. Yeah. A lot of people will tell me that, like, I've been stalking you on social media, <laughs> literally get messages daily from people. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a while. People think like, oh, I can't do that yet. You got to start somewhere. Everybody's got to start somewhere. You just got to jump in and let me help you get to the next step. But I mean, it's definitely a, it's a process. I feel like the road of business ownership is a, it's a journey. It's like, it's like the fitness industry. Like it's, it's, a, it's not a destination, it's a journey. And it's a continual, I feel like I'm learning as I'm going to. I am seeing things that maybe didn't work so well, this is good, that, but it's a never ending like learning process. And I feel like you gotta be open to things, change. If things aren't working, you gotta be open to what's next and yeah. there and explore it. And it's a hustle, it's a constant hustle, but you just gotta dig in and go after it. 
I couldn't have said it better myself. Annie, I truly appreciate your time and, and your contribution here. I think these types of conversations amongst the entrepreneur community really, really help further the industry as a whole. So I can't thank you enough for your time. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you and Thanks. wish you nothing but the best here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. <laughs> and to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, click the link in the description and fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.